Hello, and welcome to the Remaking Your Mind podcast, a place where we deep dive into how reclaiming the narrative that plays in your mind through making small adjustments in the way you think can vastly improve your quality of life. I am Camille, your host, and today we'll be talking about one very simple and highly effective mental habit, which is remembering to ask yourself the question, where did I get that from? So that question, the power behind that question is that it teaches you to pay attention to when someone is assigning meaning, whether that someone is yourself or someone else. It teaches you to recognize that you are assigning meaning to an experience. So what I mean by that is anytime you're experiencing something, you are not just absorbing the facts of that situation. You are taking that situation and seeing it through the lens of your life, your perspective, your past experience. And so you're getting not just the facts of that situation, but you're also getting everything that comes from your life before it kind of pushed onto that or added onto that as well. And so you're seeing it through a very set perspective, your perspective. And this is extremely normal, totally natural, and absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. And I want to make that very clear. The reason that this question asking yourself, where did I get that from, is powerful. The reason that this is one of the most common coping skills that I will teach people if they're struggling with negative experiences, negative thoughts, negative emotions, is because there's nothing wrong with seeing the world through your perspective. We all do it all the time, constantly. But when something is causing you distress, it can be very powerful to be like, okay, is this genuinely distressing the facts of this situation exactly what happened or is the negative thing that I'm experiencing coming from the meaning that I have added onto this moment versus the moment itself and being able to distinguish that being able to recognize that okay yes this certain thing is distressing or it's not so much that what happened is a problem it's that I am adding on meaning from the past to what happened, and that's where the problem's coming from. Being able to know the difference between those two can really help with all sorts of things. Um, It can help foster a tremendous amount of self-awareness. It can help interject and prevent negative mental thought cycles, and it can improve your emotional reactivity, your emotional regulation, and your relationships. Because if you can identify like, okay, this experience whatever this person said or did is not okay versus I'm getting upset over this when in reality what I'm upset over is something in the past and this just simply reminded me of that. Those are two very different things and a lot of times people don't carry that awareness and don't understand that right away and so they can put unnecessary stress or tension or conflict into their relationships and their experiences because they are projecting the past onto it versus recognizing the moment for what it is. So what I'm getting at, right, and I've kind of said it in a bunch of different ways, but it's basically that a lot of times something is distressing less because of what happened and more because of the story that you've assigned to it and the assumptions you've made. So an experience can trigger emotion for all sorts of reasons, But some of those reasons can be that you are assuming something negative about it. You made a negative assumption. 
right? Another thing is you assume that you know what someone else thinks or feels behind the words and actions that were displayed. So, you know, they said or did something and then you made an assumption about the intentionality behind it or the thought behind it or the feeling behind it. And that assumption may or may not be accurate. Um, The other thing is that it can remind you of the past and that past had a negative connotation so that you, so then you assume, well, if it was negative then, then it must be negative now which maybe it is, but sometimes it isn't. And so it's good to be able to make those kinds of distinctions. And so when you create this habit in your mind of when you get upset, whether it's frustration, whether it's, you know, sadness, whether it's anxiety, whether it's just general distress and and stress, if you feel something negative inside you and you just do the simple habit of pausing and going, wait a second, where did I get that from? Like, why am I upset? what what thought entered my mind what memory what what triggered this this cycle of where i'm at now like where did i get that from that is extremely powerful being able to do that because it makes it so that you're teaching yourself to kind of take back control and take back the driver's seat. So, you know, as a counselor, I teach people all the time this kind of very simple analogy of the driver's seat. And so I ask people when they share an experience with me, you know, they'll be like, oh, my boyfriend said this and I just couldn't believe that those words came out of his mouth and blah, 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 right? This like an example. And I ask them, okay, well, who's in control when you reacted to him? Was it yourself, your own mind in a state of, you know, self-awareness, of peace, of, you know, being able to analyze how you really feel? Or was it your anger? Or was it your anxiety? Or was it your pride? Or was it, you know, who was in the driver's seat? Was it your anger? Was it your pride? Was it your insecurities? Or was it you? You as your full self. And so this question kind of teaches people to do that process of who's in control right now? Is it me? Or is it, you know, something that I've given authority to, whether that be an emotion or another person or, you know, this, that, the other. And so that can be very, very helpful to your, to your mental health, to your overall wellness, to your relationships. And so that's why I teach this as a, in itself, a set coping skill that people should practice on a regular basis. Just this very simple, simple process of where did I get that from? Now, the I will admit the kind of um, product of this question is not simple. When you ask yourself, where did I get that from? Sometimes it is a very simple assumption. Oh, well, I assumed that they're mad at me. I assumed that they're trying to hurt me. I assumed that, right, it's a very simple assumption. You can identify it and then move past it or identify it and communicate with that person in order to resolve that. Other times, it kind of sends you down this rabbit trail of interconnected things where it's maybe it's an assumption about that person. Maybe it's an assumption about yourself and your character. Maybe it's an assumption about how you think that person views you. Or it's an assumption about the quality of the relationship you have, right? There's just tons of different things. And so when you ask yourself that question, just be prepared that sometimes it will be a simple answer, but other times it'll be a lot more complex and you'll have to really sit back and recognize, oh, I do carry these certain beliefs about this person or this relationship or this dynamic or myself that are not healthy. And I need to recognize, like, where did I get that from? Why do I believe that? And what am I going to do about it? 
right? And so it is kind of this thing that can cause a much longer mental processing. So one of the things that I recommend when practicing this skill of asking yourself, where did I get that from when you're distressed is you can practice it just in your head, right? Um, Just kind of in any situation, but you can also practice it like on paper. I am a huge advocate for writing things down because your brain needs time to process. It needs time to, you know, work with and mal and mal, mull? Mull. Mull over information and play, right? Like your brain needs space. And so writing, drawing, doing things that are somehow physical that, you know, let your brain get out (laughs) is very positive. And so I, yes, you can do it in your head and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you should, you should do it in your head, but you should also attempt, um, if you're willing, I should say, to do it outside, whether you're talking to a friend um, or somebody that you trust or you're writing it down. I think that especially when it comes to assumptions about relationships, especially when it comes to assumptions about yourself and your identity, and especially when it comes to the combination of those t- two things, which is what you think someone thinks about you, right? Your identity in the eyes of another. Those are all three very important categories that really affect your mental health and affect your ability to be happy and be content um, in a situation. So in those three categories, if you're applying this question and if you're willing, obviously, because it's your choice, I recommend writing it down, writing it down. Like, if you have important relationships, whether that's with family members or coworkers or friends or a significant other, and you have assumptions in your head about what that person thinks about you and what that person feels towards you, and some of those assumptions are negative, going through the process of writing that down and then being like, okay, so I think that this person thinks that I'm annoying, or I think that this person thinks that I'm dumb, then okay, well, where did I get that from? Did they tell me that I'm annoying? Did they, you know, talk over me? Like what, what happened in our relationship that made me, that produced that belief, right? Because you don't think that people think that you're annoying for no reason. And so sometimes it's something that is directly within that relationship, right? The person treated you a certain way, so it produced a certain belief, Other times, you've been conditioned to believe that about yourself, and you've simply assigned it to that relationship because, who knows, because you really care about that person, because you don't yet feel stable in that relationship, so you assume the worst, or your insecurities attached to that relationship because you care so much about that relationship. There's all these reasons, right? But a lot of times, people in their life at some point have been conditioned to believe certain things about themselves and then they assign that those beliefs to relationships in their future even though they were conditioned to believe that from somebody in the past a good example of that in my life is I was called weird a lot when I was a kid from different people in different situations of different relationship types you know I was I was called like like you're weird. <laughs> you're you're a weird girl, you're different. Um, you know, you're odd, whatever, you're strange, I don't know. But weird was a very very common um descriptor that was directed towards me when I was younger to the point where I just kind of assumed, well, that's just part of my identity now. And to, if I'm completely honest with myself, I still kind of consider myself a weird person. 
and most of my friends can probably uh, agree that I think that whether or not they think that too you know can vary <laughs> some of my friends are like yeah she's weird and others are like oh, whatever she just is who she is right um but it's one of those things that like were that to bother me I would really need to sit back and then process who said that to me why did I consider it negative like where did I get that from basically and what am I going to do about it now with this particular example I don't care that people think I'm weird and I don't even care that I think I'm weird because to me being weird is a positive thing like weird is just another word for unique weird is just another word for somebody who chooses to embrace who they are even if that person is unconventional or not standard or different than what's around them you know so I have a very positive association with the word weird so like thinking of myself that way doesn't bother me at all and when other people think of me that way it doesn't bother me at all and in fact if I call someone weird like that's that's a compliment (laughs) like that's me being like oh you're like me and I like that like it's like a good thing um but not everybody feels that way about that word so obviously if they were to think of themselves that way and then be in distress it would benefit them to go through this process of why does this bother me where did I get that negative association from why do I think that people think this about me so yeah it's just a matter of creating self-awareness of kind of tracing the root of things and recognizing that you assign meaning to your experiences and that assignment especially when negative is worth like processing is worth being like is this really true versus just accepting and assuming that it's correct because a lot of times a lot of times like not all the time certainly not all the time but a lot of times it's not correct Like, people don't think nearly as negatively about you as you do about yourself the majority of the time. Why? Because it, it takes so much energy to think negatively about someone. It takes so much attention to think negatively about someone. Most people are too, like, not to sound rude, but are much more focused on themselves than they are on you. So all of that energy to like think negatively about you, that energy is being directed towards thinking about themselves more than it's being directed towards thinking about you in that way. Now, I know that can sound very like, I don't know, depressing or something. And I don't mean it that way. I just mean that like when it comes to people's attention spans, when it comes to people's thought processes, of course they think about other people. Of course they do. Of course they have opinions and they notice things and they observe and they have feelings and blah, 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 blah. But those things pass very quickly, very quickly. And so even if they like, oh, they think that you're, I don't know, your jacket's a weird color or your shoes are too big or your pants are dirty or whatever, right? Even if they, they like notice something and they think negatively about it, that negative thought lasts for literally seconds. Just like, just nothing. It's just nothing because it, ca- it requires so much energy to fixate on anything, let alone on some tiny negative opinion that they may or may not have about you. So the reality is, is that even if somebody observes something about you and doesn't like it, and even if they carry a negative opinion of you in some way, the amount of time that they spend focused on that 
tends to be significantly more minimal than the amount of time that you focus on it. We focus on our flaws, our mistakes, our slip-ups to such a higher extreme than anyone else does. And we remember our mistakes, our flaws, and our slip-ups for so much longer than anyone else does. And so it's good to kind of recognize that of like we are a lot of times a lot of times not all the time we are the source of the negativity in our mind more so than anyone else even if that person initially had a negative response I what I'm trying to get at is just that like do this do this (laughs) as a habit and it can change your life because it can change your mind and changing your mind has a huge impact on your life, a huge impact on your life, because everything in your mind affects everything outside of your mind. It affects how you interact with people. It affects how happy you are in your situation. It affects, you know, your energy level and your mood and your ability to focus and, right, all these things are kind of interconnected. And so when you take this time to not just let every negative emotion take the steering wheel and take the driver's seat when you go, hey, well, hold up. Yes, I'm angry, but anger can be the passenger. Or yes, I'm sad, but sadness can be the passenger. Or yes, I'm anxious, but anxious can be the passenger. And I'm going to be in control. And I'm going to say where we go. And I'm going to recognize that, you know, you don't just get to steer me down whatever path you want just because you've decided to assign this set meaning to this set experience. And also, I just want to make this very clear, and I've talked about this in the past, but anytime I recommend a mental coping skill or just any coping skill in general, it's designed to help you process an emotion. It's not designed to help you repress emotion. And those are very, very different things. Being the past, you know, being the driver, right, being the one in control is not the same as suppressing your emotions, Because suppressing your emotions is to deny your emotions, is to reject your emotions, is to say, no, you don't get time, you don't get space, you don't get air, right? I'm just going to shove you away until you shut up. And that's that. That is not what I am talking about. What I am talking about is just not being a slave to your emotion, which is very, very different thing. You can be angry. You can be sad. You can be anxious. You can be upset. And you can still choose to be the one who's in control and not just let that, those feelings just, you know, throw you every which way. You know, a lot of self-control isn't about repression. It's about being the one who's, you know, steering the ship, who's, who's driving the car. It's like, I'm, if I'm angry, I'm still going to be angry. Even when I'm sitting there and going, you know, where did I get that from? Why do I feel this way? That's not the same as, you know, emotion, go away, you know, that kind of thing. Like, emotions are designed to be processed. They're designed to be experienced. They're not designed to be shoved under, you know, and held under until you think that they're not there anymore. That's not how emotions work. And even when you're given a powerful tool that teaches you how to recognize where that emotion came from, that doesn't give you the excuse to suppress your emotions and act like that's a solution because it isn't it isn't so i 
tend to do that rant every once in a while in my podcasts or just when I'm counseling people and I apologize for that but it's just a really important life lesson and it's one that people should you know not get confused on because it is a big difference and I don't ever want people to think that I am guiding them towards that because that's not what I'm doing and that's not helpful so once you have gotten to a place where you learn to pause and ask yourself where did I get that from you can make big impact on your life. And that big impact can come from not just your own mental processes, but also from recognizing when other people are doing the same, when other people are assigning meaning that was not intended or that was not in that particular experience. So I'm going to give a couple of examples. Um, So one example is in my own life in the past, I had a very strong association with people being vague. In my past, this was before I was a Christian, so this was like almost six years ago, um, I had gone through some stuff and those experiences had a really, really strong impact on me and the people of my past, they were not bad people, but they were people that were very reckless and they were people that would do things regardless of how that impacted the people around them. And so I was on the receiving end of some very destructive decisions from other people. And so being vague, this this has a point, I promise. These, these people in my past, they used to notoriously be vague. And I learned the hard way that when someone was vague in that particular culture with that group of people, when someone was being vague it was because they were either lying to me or because they were hiding something from me. And I learned that lesson the hard way over and over and over again. I kept thinking like that because they were my friend and because I cared about them, because I had this bond with them, that, you know, I could trust them. Um, And that if they weren't telling me something, that that was okay, that there was nothing going on there. They just weren't telling me. Um, and then I learned the hard way that that's, that wasn't true, that when someone was being vague, it was almost always because they were lying or they were doing something behind my back or doing something behind the backs of other people that we cared about. And so this association got very strong in my head of like, there was almost no difference thanks to that particular culture, thanks to that particular experience, there is almost no difference between being vague and lying. And when I listened to someone be vague, it felt the same as listening to somebody lying to me and keeping things from me in a negative way. Like they're keeping it because they knew that they shouldn't have done it and that what they did hurt me or it hurt people that we cared about. So I left that environment um, because, you know, I was surrounded by people who made very different life choices than I did, who went down a very different path than I did, and it wasn't a safe or healthy environment for me, and so I left, and I became a part of a community that I am with now, Um, people who are loving and kind and generous and good, and people who you know, don't lie to you continuously and don't do things behind your back that really hurt you. And it is a very opposite environment that I'm in now and I am in it to this day. Um, But when I first came into this new culture, when I first came into this new group of friends, 
I still had that strong association. So even though I knew, I knew these people are different. These people respect me. They care about me. These people are safe. You know, the amount of trust that I was able to develop with this group of people versus the people in the past with night and day difference, right? Um, I still had a really hard time getting over that association because it had just grown so strong in my head. So when, even though they're totally different people, totally different environment, totally different circumstance, if someone in that group of friends, which is now my current group of friends, if they were vague to me, I would get really uncomfortable. I would get really uncomfortable and I would like feel like, like, oh, I don't know if I can trust this person. I don't know if this person is safe. Like, what is this person doing that I don't know about? And my brain would just like, and it would just like go crazy over all these like, oh, what if this, what if that, what if this? And I would feel really unsafe. All because they, you know, failed to be detailed when they spoke. And that's not fair to them because they didn't do anything wrong. They, you know, in my past In my past, before I was a Christian, a lot of my friends started out being just like me and just, you know, running around and trying to figure out who they are and trying to just have fun and, you know, be young and dumb and whatever. Um, But a lot of them became drug addicts. And when you become addicted to anything, lying becomes second nature. And so, you know, a lot of these associations that I had, a lot of these um, insecurities that I had, a lot of these things that I had to heal from came from being in this culture of dealing with addict behavior. Um, And then I was surrounded by people who didn't, you know, who weren't addicts, who didn't behave that way. And so it's not fair for me to you know, assume like, oh, you're lying, you're lying, because you won't tell me what's going on, which means you're lying, right? That's not true. That's not true for people who aren't actually hiding things the way um, a culture of addicts does and stuff like that. And so I share that with you because I was able to use this coping skill of recognizing where did I get that from? Why is it that I feel so insecure, that I feel so unsafe, that I feel so uncomfortable just because somebody failed to give details in what they're talking about. Because obviously this person is safe. Obviously this person does care. Obviously this person, you know, is like, I'm not, I'm not at risk with these people. So why do I feel at risk? And so I was able to use this and be like, where did I get that from? And I was able to identify, well, obviously I got that from my past, you know, the past culture that I was in, the past group of people that I had put my trust in and had really, there had been some very severe consequences to that. And so because I was able to apply this and recognize like that these feelings that I was having, these feelings of not feeling safe or feeling insecure or feeling like they're lying to me or whatever because I was able to identify that those feelings don't actually come from what that person did. They come from what I've been through. I was able to protect those relationships and continue to grow those relationships into the positive, healthy relationships that they are now. And so that had a really big impact on my life, my ability to identify yes, this is from my past. And yeah, it's hard. And yeah, it sucks. But like, I can move forward from this and still continue to grow and still continue to protect the relationships that I do have. So yeah, that's obviously that's kind of an extreme example, right? Not everybody needs to or has 
life situations where they're applying it in such a I don't know, dramatic way. But it's a good example of how it can have a big impact on your life because it can protect, you know, your relationships or it can help you continue to build relationships or whatever, right? It can do all these things for you socially and mentally. It can help you overcome negative emotions that can be hard to control because you can stop worrying that things are happening that aren't happening. You know what I mean? Um, so my other example is kind of the opposite direction, right? So this one is me towards other people. My other example is other people towards me, right? You can identify, and this works for anybody. If somebody, if you do something, whether it's something you said or some way you behaved and that person is upset, right? And you did not mean it to upset them. What do you think's happening there? Chances are they are interpreting you in a very set way that was not your intention of being interpreted that way. So they are assigning meaning to your words and your behavior that was not meaning that you were assigning. It was meaning that they assigned, right? Which happens all the time and it can happen for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes it's just a cultural thing, like the way you're raised, where you're raised, you know, in what environment you're raised in, the kind of people that you interact with affects how you behave, how you think, how you talk. And so when you come across other people who've been raised in very different cultures, sometimes there's just, it, it can just be hard to communicate. You can say something that is so natural to you, that's so like nothing to you, but because of their culture, it comes off very differently than it was intended. And that just is just a natural part of human interaction. Diversity is a beautiful and wonderful thing, but it's also something that we have to be conscious and aware of in order to be able to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. And so it is super common. The more you surround yourself with people that are different than you, the more likely you are to experience miscommunication. So the more important it is for you to be able to identify, you know, how to overcome that. So when you are applying this to someone else applying meaning to you, sorry, I'm kind of having a hard time getting like continuing on this path mentally. <laughs> you, okay. So a great example of this is humor. People's humor is all over the spectrum. You know, what you find funny, why you find it funny, the way that you deliver it, you know, the subjects that you find funny, like humor is just so extremely diverse. And so humor is also something where people can just miss the boat like completely on on your humor. You can say a joke and they can think that you're insulting them. They can think that you're attacking them. They can think that you're being malicious. They can think, you know, that you're whatever, right? So a great example of this in my life is that I have a very dry sense of humor, super dry sense of humor. Um, and I'm also very like, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think of like another way to describe it, but... Yeah, it's just super dry. And I also tend to tease my friends. To me, like, the way I was raised, the way I, you know, think, like, teasing is just, like, a normal, super, super normal, not at all malicious, not at all, like, anything. It's just for fun. Like, that's totally just, like, how you... It's it's a term of endearment, to be completely honest with you. If I'm teasing someone, it's because I adore that person. It's because I love that person. It's because I think that they're cute, and I care for them. And I like, you know, like you're in, like if I'm teasing you, you're in a good place in my life. Well, let's just put it that way. And so, um, it is not in, 
in the slightest a negative thing when I'm teasing someone like that's almost like a form of affection from me a lot of my friends have learned that about me and so they just know like oh if Camille's teasing me like if she's just giving me a hard time like that's just her like showing love kind of thing um but you know sometimes people think that because you know in different cultures that is not true like in other people's environments maybe teasing is actually malicious or is meant to hurt or whatever but usually if I'm pointing something out and teasing you about it it's because I like that about you not because I don't like that about you like I I can almost guarantee like 100% of the time like maybe maybe 95% of the time if I'm teasing you about something it's because I like that about you but anyways I have had friends where like in that situation made a joke we're teasing them and then they like didn't get that 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 was a joke and that they'd get really upset with me and so I'd have to sit there and explain like you know I'd recognize okay they're assigning a meaning that was not intended right they took that in a direction from a perspective that in no way was what I meant and so this where did you get that from right being able to assign that to someone else you can be like okay obviously they brought in a meaning that didn't come from me that came from their perspective which is understandable but now I can instead of you know getting hurt by them being upset or get defensive or you know go and continue to go down this negative route I can say hey you know I'm sorry that you interpreted that way um, but I just want you to be aware that that was not my intention at all like I I can see how if you thought that I was trying to hurt you or if you thought that I was trying to be malicious, that, yeah, that would be mean and that would be, you know, worth getting upset over. But I had no malicious intent. I was in no way trying to hurt you. So I just want you to be aware of that, you know, and I'm sorry that that that's how it was interpreted. And you can just simply just lay it all out on the table of like, this was my intention. So I understand that you got a meaning that was different than the meaning that I had assigned. So here I am explaining to you the meaning that I had assigned so that you can kind of see past the meaning that you had assigned kind of thing. So I kind of rambled my way through that example, but I hope that was helpful. And I hope that that kind of cleared it up for you that you can use this skill of where did you get that from in both directions, paying attention to what you're absorbing and what other people are interpreting and that can just be a very positive communication skill in your relationships and it can be a very positive mental coping skill just in your internal thought life and with your emotions um so that's about it i also wanted to kind of close out this episode with just saying a quick apology i had originally intended to be very um, consistent to release an episode every Tuesday. And that obviously did not happen. (laughs) So I'm just going to be completely transparent with you guys. I do feel called to do this project. I love doing this project. I mean, podcasting has really helped me feel like I'm growing as a person has helped me feel like all this random, you know, psychology knowledge that I've shoved into my brain all these years is going to good use. And hopefully, you know, I just have this huge hope that it will actually help you guys and help you take care of yourselves and take care of the people you care about. And I just really love doing this. Um, with that being said, I really have to be in the right 
kind of headspace to produce this content. Um, I, there's just no other way to put it. I have tried to just stick to a rigorous schedule and it doesn't work for me because I'm just not always in the right headspace emotionally or mentally to sit here and explain in depth, different psychology related things. And so I will continue to work to produce content on a regular basis. I am passionate about this project. I feel called to do this project. I love this project. Um, but I am going to just be frank and say that I can't guarantee that it's going to be consistent on the timing of when these episodes are being put out. So I hope that isn't too obnoxious. And I thank you guys so, so, so much. Every time that you listen, it just means the world to me. I am so excited that you guys care enough to tune in. And, you know, I have my little my little tracker of my little audience. And it just means the world to me every time I see that even just that one play of the episode, I'm just like, oh, somebody listened to me. That's so cool. Um, so I just really hope that you guys continue to enjoy what I put out. I hope that I can continue to glorify the Lord and encourage you guys and help you just apply psychology to your life um, in a way that's very impactful and meaningful. You know, I'm here to help you guys. Um, I just, that's really what I want is I want what I'm producing on this channel to have a really positive impact on your life. And I know that some of these topics can be really heavy, um, especially like my last, not my last episode, but the ones before it, when we talked about the barriers to compassion, those are some pretty um, heavy topics in some ways. And I can understand that that's just not something like you have to even be in the right headspace to listen, let alone to produce the content. But um, I will say that, the more you learn about yourself, the more you are able to just be comfortable, be confident, be secure, and just have like a healthy kind of output on who you are because who you are is incredible. Who you are is somebody who is worth knowing, who is worth loving, who has such a tremendous amount of value, who's worth is just unshakable. And I think that psychology is just a tool. It's just a tool, but it's a tool to help you see yourself. And that can be very intimidating, but it can also be extremely empowering. And when you understand how you work, it is a whole lot easier to cope. It's a whole lot easier to adapt. It's a whole lot easier to just appreciate and that's what we want, right? We want you to be in a place where you love yourself and you see how much you are loved because you are, you are so loved. I mean, like God treasures you. He treasures you. He adores you. He made you with purpose. He made you with intention. He, you know, he is proud of you and he wants you to embrace who you are as much as he embraces who you are. And that's true every moment of every day, regardless of what you've done and regardless of what you've been through and regardless of what you think about yourself. And, you know, these tips, these ways of helping you take care of yourself, they're just designed to create more encouragement in your life, more intimacy in your life, you know, and hopefully to help you be closer to God. I mean, this is all about reclaiming the narrative, right? This simple 
this simple coping skill is all about identifying the narrative that plays in your head and then taking back control of that narrative and you know who do we want to be the ultimate author of the narrative of our life well that's jesus and you know this where did i get that from can point you back to Jesus, can be like, well, did I get this from the Lord? Did I get this from the loving God who adores me, who made me with intentionality, who, you know, appreciates who I really am? Or did I get this from someone who doesn't value me the way God values me, who doesn't see me the way God sees me? You know, where did I get this from? And if I didn't get this from God and those who align completely with God, well, then guess what? I got it from the wrong source. And this is to help you, help you with that and help you work through that. So again, I just thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. Um, I love making these episodes for you guys. I love checking in on you guys. And I love the fact that, you know, you're here listening and, uh, you know, it's just encouraging to me too. Um, anytime you guys tune in. So Thank you very much, and hopefully you will hear from me soon, and have a lovely day. Bye.